live thing should be popping up here any second. Yes, we are live. Let me just pull it right up on my phone so I can have the um, comment section below. Okay, there we go. Let me go ahead and shut this down and it's gonna pop up here in a second. Oh, I beat it before I beat it before I started making noise. All right, what's going on, everybody? I hope you're having yourself an amazing day today. I am extremely happy to make your day even way better than it current than it's currently going right now with this um, conversation I'm, that I'm going to be having with my friend here, Chandler. Now, uh, really quick, I've always so I first I like to give a backstory a little bit on how like I just like even got introduced to you. So I first met Chandler through Eli Wilde's, um, I think it was his beta sales program. Uh, I signed up for his beta sales program. And then you popped up on a couple of calls. I think you said a couple of things, but I, I just remember I'm very big on like energy and like just filling people out. I'm like, man, this guy just seems super grounded. And I was like, I don't want to get to know this guy. And so I ended up sending him a friend request and just connecting here and there. And I remember I making a uh, made a post a while back about looking for some people to interview, and he commented on my post, which was like really exciting because I've always wanted to talk to this guy. And so here we are now. Like I'm gonna get to know him just as much as you guys get to know him today. So I'm extremely excited for this. So Chandler, if you can just go ahead, man, share. Well, they know who you are, right? They know your name. But if you can just share who you are, man, what you do. And I'm really interested in hearing just the backstory around how you even got into that position. Yeah. So like we know, my name's Chandler Walker. So Chandler, like from friends, Walker, like the Texas Ranger, the man with two Hollywood names and uh, two names that people remember forever. But I, I kind of started this journey. And so right now what I'm doing is we have a process called compassion conversations where we teach people how to sell in a written and spoken way without manipulation, being sleazy or using aggressive tactics. We use a combination of, com of cognitive behavior therapy, motivational inter interviewing, and a bunch of different therapeutic techniques that aren't typically used for sales in our process that creates a really neat and unique process. And so you'll, you'll find it interesting the way I started this whole thing. And so growing up, I had a, my mother was bipolar. And so it was, it was a while back. I mean, I'm 34 at this point in my life. So it's a long time you look ago. Great, bro. You look yeah. great, bro. Yeah. I even got, and we got, we got, we got like eight people watching live So you got to go ahead and hashtag live below. Let me know how y'all guys are doing. Love it. And so uh, my mom was bipolar growing up. And so I learned from an early age that you have two choices with people. You can hate them for their problems and issues and, and what, what's going on with them, or you can learn to love them and embrace them for who they are and where they're at. And I think a lot of kids growing up who have parents who have issues like that, hold it against them. And, and they have a lot of anger and aggression towards that parent. And, and that's fine if that if that's happened. But for me, I learned from a young age that if I was able to communicate with her in a neutral way and ask her questions and understand where she was coming from and recognize that it wasn't her, it was the disease talking, that I could have a therapeutic and loving relationship with her. And so growing up, she didn't even know she had bipolar disorder. So the, my whole life was learning how to communicate with a person who had massive ups and massive downs and a person who wasn't always super grounded. But to this day, I still have a really good loving relationship with my mother because of the way I learned to communicate growing up. And she instilled a lot of confidence in me. So I think what it did was it turned me into a person who's able to stay neutral, communicate, and not judge people for where they're at, but to love them for who they are. And so what it did for me was, though, I got in, I graduated high school, got into college, and I decided I was going to go on a med school route. I was like, you know what, I love this idea of working with people in the mental health side of things. I love the idea of being a, a medical provider. 
So I started pursuing that, got my degree in biology and biochemistry, but then I got into the med school route and I still remember precepting with a lot of medical providers. And one of the things that really always stuck out to me was nobody really wanted help. And the physicians weren't necessarily equipped to help long-term. So the idea was you, you go in the back, you read your book, you prescribe medication and the person leaves, they get their medication and you do it again and again and again. But if you ask the person like, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? They don't want it. They don't want to do it. And, and if you tell as a physician, if you tell someone to eat an apple, you're going to get sued because that apple is not a pill. So for me at that point, I decided that just really, really wasn't the route I wanted to pursue. And so I broke off and we opened up our, our original healthcare health facility we were centered around six pillars of wellness. So mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness, and habits, and everything goes yeah. in order of importance and habits at the end, because everything becomes your habits. You are your habits. You are the product of your behavior. And, and so after I sat down and I worked with probably three or 4,000 people, and, and that's kind of where I came up with that flow. And then I also had to learn along the way how to sell yeah. these people into our programs because our, our program wasn't cheap. We had a brick and mortar first. Then we moved into a, an online environment right just before, about a year before COVID hit. But I had to learn how to sell in a way that wasn't manipulative and didn't attack people. And I had to learn how to meet them in the middle. And our prices were for a brick and mortar health facility was like close to two grand to start with us for six weeks. Then we built our online health program and it was $3,200 for six, for 12 oh, weeks. Okay. So not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. So not cheap. And I had a lot of coaches at the time who were like, oh, you just got to be aggressive. You got to push the cell. You just got to force them to make the decision. You got to do feel felt found. You got, and I was like, this is Jesus, this is horrible. All these things, <laughs> I feel terrible enrolling someone in my programs. And I was like, I'm just going to quit and give up and go be a janitor at a high school or something if uh... I have to do this. And so then I went on this philosophical journey and I decided to, to really look at what we were doing and how I was communicating with people and look back to my past and how I learned to communicate there. Luckily, I had a really good colleague in college who ended up being a doctor in, in cognitive behavior therapy, who really taught me a lot of the basis behind the therapeutic modalities of CBT and motivational interviewing and acceptance commitment therapy. So then I took- Wait, Ruka, I'm sorry. You said motivational interviewing, right? Yeah, motivational interviewing. I've never, never heard of that. I'm just interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. And so then I took all of that and I was like, well, I have everything I need right here. This is how I'm talking to people. This is how I build a relationship. They're buying from me and I'm not being aggressive. And so I took all of that and I recognized that we had a system already pre-built to enroll people in higher ticket programs or higher end programs with compassion and care through actual evidence-based psych psychiatric modalities, or maybe not psychiatric, oh. but um, therapeutic modalities. And so that's how compassion conversations was, was born. And I recognized that my ability to communicate really did dictate my quality of life and my ability to enhance other people's quality of life. And we turned that into our program. And so now at this point, we teach everything that we put together. And this isn't just a fly by night thing. It took me, like I so was saying, three or 4,000 yeah. conversations with people to yeah, recognize you developed over, over experience. Exactly. And it took all that to help me recognize like, hey, wait a second, we have a system here. I don't have to be aggressive. I don't have to be a jerk. This is this is amazing. And so then now that's kind of where we are today. Ah, interesting. So, okay, I, I like, so, okay, so first and foremost, your sales approach is not something that you read from a book and then you're like, all right, this is like the script and this is how it works. Basically, you going through a lot of experiences and then using what you said, like a therapeutic background in the kind of questions you were asking on the phone. 
Yeah, exactly. So when we teach sales, we don't teach scripts. We don't teach you to read from anything. We we sort of teach right. a framework, but it's the idea of, in my first tenet, is become a cognitive questioner. You have to be able to interest the cognitive base of someone's mind and understand where they're coming from, understand where they've been, and connect the dots to how that's creating a bad future, a good future, or somewhere in the middle, and then help them recognize where they're headed and where the, where the possibilities are. So that way you, you get more in, it's deeper than just finding the pain. It's finding the pain, but connecting the dots to where that pain lives and then connecting those dots to where they are now and then connecting those dots to where they're headed. And that helps someone understand where they are, where their life's taking them and all the things along the way that have contributed to who they are today and, and where they're headed today. And it's usually a huge eye opener for people. Oh, shit. I'm say, that sounds like a valuable, like, I mean, I, I'm going to call it like sales call, really, like a valuable sales call just to be on, like that kind of conversation. Because the reality is, is all the behaviors we're engaging in today were patterns that were created and learned in our previous years. And it's really interesting to see how you bring that into a sales conversation. Now, you did say something, though, that I do believe in, um, but I do want to hear your, your take on it. You said uh, the quality of the communication is the quality of your life, the quality of like how you can even impact other people's lives. What exactly, can you elaborate on that? Just so like um, for my clarity and for the listeners clarity on exactly what you mean by that. Cause I don't think a lot of people really get that. Yeah. And I think it's such a beautiful statement and, and not a lot of people recognize it, but it's the quality of your ability to communicate will enhance your ability to live a good life, to interact with people in a great way and your ability to see yourself as a victim or as someone contributing to society or moving forward. And what it really comes down to, in my opinion, is the quality of your communication is your ability to step outside your own, your own brain and step into the side of an empathetic listener. So when someone speaks, I'm not just sitting there waiting to talk. I'm not ignoring them. They're not talking. And I'm like, yep. Uh-huh. I don't you really care. You're ready for your next sales yep. question. <laughs> but just keep, yep. Keep on. I'm Instagramming right now. Just keep talking though. I'm listening. So it's getting out of that and moving into, and I don't know if you've heard the concept. I think it's the five levels of, of, of listening. And so like the fifth level and the last level is becoming that empathetic listener where you step out of your own brain and you step into someone else's brain so you can understand the way they see and perceive the world and recognize that every one of us sees and perceives the world in a different way so you can learn to love and meet people where they are and not hate them for what they believe in or dislike them for what they believe in. You recognize and respect that we all have different viewpoints and modalities of the world and that's okay. And you can step inside that and be comfortable speaking with someone about that. Hmm, interesting. So the question just comes up and I have to ask, I mean, you can definitely like let me know what you feel comfortable asking, but how exactly do you step outside of your own brain? So that concept yeah. sounds pretty interesting. That's a good question. So a lot of the time you'll let's take politics, for example. That's always okay. a fun one. So someone oh, yeah. you're so you're like, uh, and here's a here's a really hot button topic that I hope no one gets offended, but vaccinated or not vaccinated. So when oh, someone yeah. says okay. someone says, I'm not vaccinated, the vaccinated crowd right now would be like, Well, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you're you're blah, blah, blah. For me, it'd be like, well. I'm going to step in their brain. Why aren't they vaccinated? Well, they're afraid. They, they've seen things that make them afraid and fear what's to come. They've seen things that make them not want to harm their own body. So at the end of the day, they're doing what's best for them. And it's not my position or place to change their mind or judge them for what they believe in and where they're at, because their ultimate goal is to live a healthy, happy life. And that's what they're trying to do with this. So I can respect them for what they're doing and, and come to an agreement or agree to disagree, but I don't have to dislike them for it. I don't have to fight them about it. And I don't have to really use my own judgment to create an, a persona around that person. I can just meet them in the middle and love them for who they are, where they're at, and what they believe in. And 
I think that's kind of the the neutral way of seeing the world to where I don't have to have judgment and bias. I can step into someone else's brain and ask questions about who they are, ask questions about what they believe in and tell them, wow, that's a really interesting viewpoint. And, and I respect where you are. And I, re- I respect the fact that you're just trying to live your life for the best and that you believe this is the best strategy for you and your family. Hmm. Have you ever heard of shadow work, man? I've heard it. Yeah. Passing quite a bit. Yeah. It, you just said something that was like, I mean, because like, okay, so I'm like just getting into this whole shadow work concept, but it's very intriguing. And it's like, you know, basically if you're getting, if you are getting upset at like, just say if I'm just looking at you and like we're on a call and I'm like, God, this narcissistic motherfucker, you know, I'm like this narcissist, you know, um, yeah, this asshole. And the only reason I'm seeing that in you is because I know it's in me and I'm just denying. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not really seeing it. And um, what you're saying is, you know, when, when you meet somebody with where you're at, you understand that they're doing the best they can with their filters. Because I do believe, because like we all have, we all filter out certain information if it's not relevant to our experience. So we definitely won't um, see anything that's not going to fit that filter. So that just helps me understand. But I just like the, the entire concept of shadow work and what you're saying is, approaching it without judgment because that is shadow work is knowing that you have it within you so why are you going to trip on somebody else having it within themselves right and so i know that may be off topic but it just like it resonated with me man so now i want to ask you this when somebody is uh, when somebody's because i know that that needing nothing attracts everything and the kind of energy i can tell when you would step on a phone call it's not hey, i need this cell but it's like, I just want to help this person, right? How does somebody get into that kind of state if they're not where they want to be at financially? Yeah, I think you have to recognize that the state you're in is the state that people will perceive you as, whether or not it's outwardly spoken or whether or not it's it's a very push, put in a way that's needy. And so what I talk about with people and and one of our, it's our second tenet is detaching yourself from the need to sell. And like you're saying, a lot of new coaches will come in and they need the sale because they need the money, but it also puts you in a state to where you now have need. And because you now have need, essentially the other person is going to be working against you. And so what we do when we enter a sales conversation is we have a little, about 10 minutes before, we have a little exercise we go through where we work on detaching our need for, for emotional commitment. We detach our need for the sale. We detach our need from want. And we sort of go into, it's sort of like a meditative environment. And so we'll, huh. we'll like close our eyes and we'll, what I have people do is we'll imagine leaves on a stream and we'll see leaves passing by on the stream and every emotion that comes up, like I need money gets put on the leaf. Another emotion like, Oh, I want this gets put on the leaf. And then you visualize watching those emotions pass by and you visualize the stream, taking them away. And sometimes those emotions will get caught and they'll get stuck there. You don't push it away. You don't fight it. You don't bring it closer. You just sit with it. You let it be, and you let it be there because you're allowing yourself to be there and you're allowing yourself to learn to be with, and reflect on these emotions so they don't control you. Mm, and that's definitely part of being a power, I mean, a good communicator is knowing how to communicate with yourself internally, especially when you're having those kind of, those kind of thoughts. Exactly. Okay. I love that, man. Now, now you talk about your tenants. I heard you just say a tenant. 
if you don't mind me asking, what what are those tenets? And you can just elaborate on them slightly because now I'm interested. Yeah, the three are, first one is become a cognitive questioner. So step out okay. of your own brain and step into the brain, the mind of the other people you're speaking to and move into the empathetic listening environment. So you can find the pain, connect the dots and move to where the person is and what's contributed to them being there. Second tenet is detaching yourself from the need to sell. So removing, removing your need and removing want from your life. So the less I want, the more I get. And ultimately, the less you want ah. the sale, the more you get the sales. So if I come in the conversation and a lot of my clients will be like, I didn't know you're taking notes. I wasn't even sure if you were like, if it was a sales call. And then at the end, I was like, I want in this. Can I join? And so that's what we want because it's like people don't, they're like, wow, I thought you were going to sell me, but we're just having a conversation and, and I'm coming to some pretty deep realizations. And so then the third piece that I have is become a challenging leader. And what that means is if people, you don't ever actually understand what someone's saying. So if someone says like, you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't. So can you tell me a little bit more about what you said there? And, or if someone comes in and says something that's a little bit shifty, like, well, I'm just kind of, just kind of going in the moment. You challenge that. Like, what do you mean by the moment? Like, what's going on there? If you're going through your, your sales call towards the end and you're talking to them about like what you can do and there's no questions challenge it because that's non-buyer behavior. So it's like, wait, you don't have any questions? Are you sure? Like, is this something you're even interested in or, or, or what's going on here? So every time someone brings something up that's shifty or you don't understand or that contradicts something they said before, we challenge it politely and, and appropriately. So we ask, hey, well, can you tell me a little bit more about this? Can you tell me a little bit more about what that meant? Hey, can we dive into this? Or hey, Hey, uh, let's talk about this. Uh, another good one is going through finances. So like when we go through the beginning of a call, we map out a full financial picture. Most people are afraid to do that because they're afraid of yeah. money. And so for me, it's like, well, if you're afraid of money, you're not skilled enough to take money. So don't be afraid of it. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't shudder. Like how much money is in your bank account? And then you're like shivering when you talk about it. It's like, no, we get on a call and we're, we're very compassionate focused. And we ask people like, okay, would it be okay if, if we go through and, and define your financial picture so I can create a custom platform and solution that makes sense for you? I don't want to give you something that's completely out of bounds or, or doesn't make sense. So if I understand your finances, then we can come up with something that's perfect for you if we can help you. And then they say yes. Or if they say, well, no, I'm not comfortable. You challenge that. It's like, hold on, wait a second. This, this might be a problem because if I do get into a position where I can coach you, we're going to have to have some hard conversations. And this is kind of the beginning of that. So if you can't have hard conversations with me, well, then it might not be the best for us to possibly pursue working together. So I challenge them, but I drop my tone. I don't sound like a jerk. I'm being a compassionate and, and I'm really showing that I come from a place of love, care, and concern. And I'm also indirectly interviewing them for how good of a client they're going to be. Ah, yeah. That's nice. So in other words, it's like you're, I mean, because at the end of the day, a lot of people just enroll people um, for the hope of them being a wonderful client. And then you realize very quickly, it's a drain on your energy. So your sales style, it's, it's like kind of, I mean, you're making sure that this is even a good fit for you by the time you get to the end of the call. Exactly. Now, what would you say are your, well, so I have two questions, but okay. So first question, I think is the most, you know, um, I deal with what you're currently saying right now. Be what would be some of the habits or tips that you can give to somebody if they want to develop good communication skills? Because communication, I do believe, is like you know a skill that you develop throughout yourself. 
Um, yeah, so let's start with that question first. Any things that you personally did? Yeah, I think the best thing that I ever did was I questioned my own thoughts on a consistent basis. So if I start drifting off into thought land or if I start like watching the news, I start questioning my own thoughts and start discovering my own bias. And then I start questioning that. So it's like, if I start oh. thinking about like, oh, I'm like, life sucks. And then today is just a terrible day. And then that starts snowballing into horrible thoughts. It's like, well, you know, does life really suck? Like what happened yesterday? What's, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen three months from now? And so am I really in, in a bad position or place? And so when you can learn to question your own thoughts and feelings, you learn to understand where they come from. And then when you speak to other people, you can step into their brain and learn and understand where they come from. So understanding your perspective, understanding your bias and understanding the, the positions you, you place yourself in internally allow you to place yourself in the mind and mindset of others. So I think the best thing anybody can do is to question their own thoughts. You can write it down. I, I mean, journaling is a great exercise for this. You write down your one thing I like to do is belief pattern statement. So it's like external okay. belief is I had a bad today day today. Every day is going to be horrible. And then internal belief pattern. Uh, this one bad day is going to become a bad day. It's going to keep snowballing. And I, I just, I should just give up and quit. So then I learned to question those internal belief statements. So external doesn't matter as much because that's the wall, but the yeah. internal is the insecurities associated with it. So then I can start saying, okay, well, well, maybe it's not that, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it could be this. And so then I start to learn to question my own thoughts and question my internal beliefs. So then when someone says something and I recognize those internal beliefs, I go right into, well, yeah, I mean, it could be the fact that that life sucks. It could, it could be the fact that, that things are hard. Business is never easy, but, but maybe it's just taken one day at a time. Maybe it's just a process of, of going with the flow. Maybe life really is pretty good, but Maybe sometimes our thoughts just lead us to seeing the worst of the situation, but in reality, it's probably not the way it really is. So then I can learn how to reframe and reshape thoughts and beliefs internally myself by doing it. So when I hear it to others, I can create that off on a whim. Uh, so it sounds like you're very honest with yourself. Yeah. You don't... Exactly. And that's the first step. Be honest. What's the quote? Be honest with thyself. And if you can learn to truly be honest with yourself, self, stop faking the funk, stop hiding things and, and respect who you are and where you're at, that's when life takes a turn for you. And why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think life just kind of happens the moment you just bring everything to the light and just that creaturehood for what it is? Yeah, I think it's because you stop trying to wear a mask. Like, look at everybody in society. We're wearing a mask. Uh, someone in public won't. I heard this the other day. Someone wouldn't curse in public. But behind doors, they curse like a sailor. So I'm like, stop wearing the mask. Be honest with yourself. Who are you? If someone doesn't like it, person doesn't need to be in your life. Exactly. If you can be who you are, be honest with where you're at, be honest with your thoughts and respect yourself, that's when you can actually learn to interact and respect others and they can respect you. It starts internally and it starts right in here and even in your heart and soul. And as soon as you can, you can bring that about, that's when you become the person who you really are. And, and I think for the, the sad fact of the matter is most people never become who they really are. They live behind a mask their whole life and they never recognize that they could have been so much more had they been honest with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting because like a fail, so I came, I, by the way, just so you know, the sales style I learned, my introduction, all the sales stuff was Grant Cardone. 
So that was my style of betting. It was very no interest exciting. is a level of interest. <laughs> no, yeah, no interest of the level of interest, but like it, like in like I know how you said something earlier. You were like, um, a lot of the times, like you know, you enroll somebody and you feel like crap after enrolling them. That was me, man. Like I was like I would enroll people and feel horrible after <laughs> enrolling people because I'm like this is just not who I am. So it sounds like you can make a lot of money, be a great salesman if you want to go that route. But it sounds like if you want to make the impact that you really want to make through sales, I mean, because sales is going to get them into your, your, your reality the way you want them to. But it sounds like it's interesting is like what I'm hearing from you is that if you really want to be the, the impactor you want, you have to face your own shit. Yeah, Would if you, can't, you agree? Well, 100%. If you can't face your own self, if you can't sell yourself to who you're really going to be, well, then we have no business selling other people. It's going to be a constant struggle. It's going to be a constant nightmare and you're never going to feel good about where you're at. And I think that's where most people fall off the ship. Mm. Is there any, is there any other inner work stuff that you do? I'm curious, like your personal habits and things like that. Cause I'm not going to lie. Like just the energy I get from you, man, it's like very grounded, bro. Like just very calm, very grounded. And I, I just see like you, you hold yourself very well. And I'm curious. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, obviously, growing up with my mother and learning to question yeah. sort of thoughts there, really, it really put me in a place to where I never developed anger issues. I was able to stay neutral. I was able to stay grounded. I can pull myself back. And I think the biggest thing I do, like I talked about earlier, is, is I question my thoughts and I write them down. And then I write down the external statements and internal beliefs. And I, I really get true to myself. Like, what are you doing here? What's going on? And it's like you're having a conversation with yourself, but you're learning how to interact with, with who you are and who you're going to be. And you can question and challenge your own self. Like, is, is, am I faking the funk right now? Am I being real? Am I being true? No. Then when you get in front of other people, if you do, one thing that I, I think is really neat is when I get in front of someone else, and if I ever start getting to a point where I'm like, oh, this person will just stop talking or, or whatever, I, I, I stop myself in that moment and I say, wait, I'm talking to a human being who's here, who respects my time. And I'm here to respect their time and, and meet them where they're at and be the person that they expect me to be and be the person I want to expect myself to be. And, and so the big thing that I think is that brings all this together is learning to be present in, in the moment and not in a cliche way, but be present to where you're constantly analyzing, you're constantly asking questions and you're constantly searching for your soul. Do you, I'm curious, um, when you journal, like, do you ask your like, like, clearly you ask yourself a lot of questions, but um, have you, uh, do you have any kind of specific journaling technique aside from what you do, aside from that um, external internal belief statement? Yeah. One thing I don't do are like positive affirmations and stuff, because I don't think yeah, we need man. to get into a mindset to where every life sunshine and gum drops and it's all positive. But what I will start writing is I'll write those external statements. And the things I'll write down are like, what did I do well today? What didn't go well? What do I want to improve on? Where am I working? Am I working okay? And then I'll move into a value statement. So am I living up to the values that I believe in, in family, faith, fun, all the things that I, I believe in? And I'll give myself an, I'll assign myself a one through 10. And then over time, I'll track that and I'll say, okay, well, look at this work was a three because I value it less over everything and family and everything else. And all of a sudden it's crept up to a seven. I'm not living true to my values. So I need to kind of investigate what's going on there. And so that uh -huh. way I kind of create like a data analytical tool to identify what's important to me and whether or not I'm staying true to that. Hmm, interesting. And I like the data collection because I did 
Um, I tracked my habits for um, like it was like an eight month period. Like I tracked like my daily habits and things I wanted to do. And it was really interesting to see the correlation between my sleep, between the way I ate, between the way like if I meditated that day or not, between those things and then between my business revenue. It's like when I was on point here, revenue would go up. And then when things would drop here, revenue would go down. And I'm like, oh, it's really interesting how that works. So another question, the second one I had in the back of my mind um, was, what are some of the most, some of the sales concepts that you feel like is ruining more, more good coaches? Because I also know a lot of coaches stop coaching because they just don't want to do the setting anymore. Like it kills them to do the setting. I know, I personally know people who they, they're just working their jobs now because they couldn't do the setting part. And I do believe a lot of it was because of the kind of way we were taught to sell very horrible. But what do you feel like are some of the concepts that you see just dying away entirely? And what do you believe the future of sales looks like? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that, that really wrecks people and, and puts them under substantial amounts of pressure is the one call close mentality. So it's like, I need to get this person on this call and close them today. And so then how much pressure does that put on a person, especially a new person? It's like, oh, I didn't close them. I suck. Oh, I didn't close them. I suck. Oh, I didn't. And so they get this mentality where I suck at sales. I'm not good at sales. This is terrible. I hate this thing. And so what I think we need to do is is remove the idea that you need to take someone's money in one phone call because every person's different. And every person has a different situation and every person needs a, a variety of interactions in order to get them to make the best decision for them. And so what I found is by removing that one call close mentality and moving into as many calls as it takes, we increase our ah. sales efficiency by like 50% because it's like, hey, we're on the call today. You sort of sound like you're you're not really you're not really 100%. It doesn't really sound like this like make this makes a lot of sense. You sound like you you're analytical and you need some time to think about it. Oh yeah, okay. Well, let's schedule another call or you so you move into things, let's schedule another call or one thing that I do is like, hey, this sounds like you're kind of on the, in the middle and, and I don't want to pressure you and I don't want you to be on this thing for 50 minutes trying to do objection handling with me. So what I want you to do is as I want you to go home, take a week. I won't respond to you for 5 days even if you text me. And I want you to write down all the good that can come from this and all the bad that can come from this. And then when you're ready, you can send me a message and we'll get started. Everybody comes back. Wow. That's interesting because, well, number one, I just like the mentality shift of one call close to as many calls as it takes because I have gotten some of my best clients have thought about it, but I've been taught that thinking about it is not what they're supposed to do, right? They think about yeah, it, exactly. they run away. And it's weird though, when I expect them to not come back, they don't come back. <laughs> like when I'm when they think about it and in my mind, I'm like, oh, they're not coming back. Well, no shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This <laughs> is the way that I'm coming off. So that's a really interesting approach. And it's more like, hey, um, because I like, at the end of the day, because the way you sell, it, it sounds like a very therapeutic way of selling. Like they're going to make some breakthroughs on the phone calls, you know, you've been official for them. So you want it to feel like a um like it's their decision the entire time and i could safer for them to move forward so that's interesting i like that now what else what other things concepts do you feel like are just ruining a lot of great transformative people in this world this yeah world? i think the other thing that really wrecks people is is objection handling so they think they need to go through this whole thing and then work through like objections uh, feel felt found or well we found this or assume the close like, so how does that sound? Let me uh, Visa or MasterCard. 
And so oh, I think yeah. that kind of stuff, <laughs> I've done that, man. It, it just, it wrecks the people because especially like healers, especially people associated with helping other human beings become better. They don't feel good about being slimy and they don't want to sit there and handle objections for three hours at the end of a phone call. And it's like the concept. Uh, I think Jordan Belfort may have said it, but the call doesn't start until you start handling objections. If you're not doing objections for 90 minutes, you're not doing it right. And oh. so I think that really crushes the heart and soul of, of like people who are in the healing modalities who want to help others heal because that doesn't feel good. It feels icky to sit there and like argue with someone. So like in our process, anything that can be an objection, we move to discovery and we talk about it. We talk openly about it. We challenge it. We work through it. And so then by the time we get to the pitch and moving through, all, all I do is I'm like, so what should we do? What do you want to do from here? Where do we go? And they're like, can I, can I buy this thing? If that's what you want to do, are you sure? Uh, are you uh, even yeah. asking them, are you sure? Like, <laughs> yeah, challenge them yes. on that too. Because then it's like, they're like, what is this idiot doesn't even want me to buy his thing? And so it, it's another concept I have called be the smart dummy. It's like, he seems smart, but he's also kind of a dummy on this call. And then you're more trustworthy because you don't seem like this salesman. <clears throat> huh. And I realized right now, when you said that, I'm thinking back to like the last two or three coaches or masterminds of programs that I bought and every single one of them was the energy of like yeah so you know 15k so um yeah like so yeah what do you want to do you know all of them was very like look I don't care if you buy this thing but um I think you should because I think it's really going to help you based off of this but what do you want to do I've realized I've always bought because of that like that energy is so um it's like attractive to me you know and I'm just like damn like I want to be around that so that, yeah. that's really cool I like that a lot. So real quick, uh, if you can elaborate on one, what you just said, you said anything that's objection, you take it back to discovery. Can you just elaborate on that for some of the listeners clarity? Yeah, for sure. So what are the common objections? There's spouse, there's money, there's finances, there's uncertainty. So mm -hmm. uncertainty is handled by being a challenging leader the entire time in discovery. So you, you hammer out uncertainty right off the bat. Money, handle com completely map out finances and discovery. That doesn't become a problem at the end because you already know where they're at. And then when you pitch them, you pitch them a payment plan or, or whatever that fits their specific budget. So money's handled. Spouse, if spouse becomes an issue, we have a process to where we just move the spouse onto a multiple call. We talk through them about being in alignment. And I think this is where people go wrong with spouse too. We teach people how to learn to talk about being in alignment with all parties involved. And so like, for example, uh, weight loss, one thing we'll do is like, Hey, so how's, uh, how's Mr. Husband? Does he understand what, what's going on here? How has weight loss been with him? Oh, well, he doesn't really pay attention. And sometimes he brings home Taco Bell and, and it's hard for me to sit there, right? There's challenging leader moving into. So that that's a little bit concerning. And the reason why is because if he's not aware of what's going on and if he's bringing Taco Bell home, I'm not convinced we can help you because we need to be in alignment. We are a family unit in this thing. If we might, if we figure out we can help you and that family, it includes your husband, you and myself. And if we're not all in alignment, wow. well, then it's going to be really challenging. And that, that might also, fun, yeah. Right. <laughs> that was so good. That one's powerful because then it's like, it's, it's true because they are going to fail and their significant other who's not paying attention is going to not because they don't love them, but they're going to contribute to their failure because they don't understand. They don't understand that bringing Taco Bell makes that person fail. They don't understand that that person failing makes them feel horrible. They don't understand that that person feel, feeling horrible doesn't make them want to be naked in front of their spouse. And they don't understand that that wrecks their whole relationship. 
So that's part of the cognitive questioning philosophy. It's like, I understand the big picture and I'm going to help you understand the big picture so we can make the best decision for you. Not for me. I don't want your money. I don't care, but best decision for you. Mm, God damn. I've never heard. This is my first time ever being introduced to the concept of making sure all parties involved are aligned because I've, um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm looking back on like my past because I'm not in fitness anymore, but when I was in fitness, it was a lot of spouse stuff. And um, yeah, this thing, this thing could have changed the game. So I like, but I like how you're focused on whether we can help you or not, because I think that's another big problem. A lot of people focus on sales. They don't focus on reputation. And the fact that like, yo, are you even getting people results? Are you printing results like over and over and over again? What's the point of bringing somebody in? Yeah, they can pay you, but your success rate is just going to dwindle, 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 dwindle. And what's the good about, about all of that, right? So let me ask you this now. So now that we understand a little bit more about what your, um, like a little bit more about your style of selling if you don't mind us giving us like, um, like a 30,000 foot view of what a full proper sales call with your process would look like, of course, not giving us like everything, right. But just like a 30,000 foot view, anything you feel comfortable on that you believe will be valuable for the audience. Yeah, basically. Uh, and we do have a, a nine step framework. And by the way, to... people are loving this just so you know, the oh, comments are going off. So people are I wish I was this. in the group. I could see it. I know, oh. dude, my bad. Well, we'll get you in the group. You'll be able to check it out after I'll Perfect. get you in the group. And if anybody has questions, just smash them below. And when I get in, I'll go in. Yes. And if you have any questions around sales, guys, please drop them below. This is a really interesting conversation. So please drop them below. Okay, but go ahead. And big thing to think about here too, before we get into the question is sales is copy, copy is sales. And so when we teach sales, we not only teach the conversational flow of sales, but we teach the written flow of sales. So we teach copy and sales as one unit because they are, they're the same thing. If you can write and sell, you can speak and sell. If you can do both, you become a master. Mm, that, yeah, okay, that's a really good. Yeah, because um, copywriting is salesman in print, right? Exactly. Uh, and if it's about creating the emotional attachment to a person, if it's about becoming the cognitive questioner in writing, and if it's about creating that leadership aspect and separating who you are from everyone else, your copy becomes something that doesn't seem like copy. People read it and they're like, wow that was a really well-written piece. They start commenting on it. You get messages and DMs because your stuff's so powerful. Your Facebook ads convert better because in today's market, Facebook ads are copy. That's what you're targeting. It's your copy, the way you speak to people in the written word. And so if you can master that aspect, now you master the spoken aspect because you start writing like you speak and you speak like you write. And ultimately- With our, with our process, our, our framework is, is essentially learning how to create conversational flow and change in someone's heart and mind and attach yourself into their soul. So that way they feel comfortable with you. You remove sales resistance. And along the way, you become the cognitive questioner you need to be, both internally with your own heart and soul and externally with other people. You become the challenging leader you need to be internally with yourself and with other people. And you detach yourself from not only the need to sell, but the need to want and the need to need, which puts you in a place in in life and in your sales conversations where people feel like they feel like you're grounded. They feel like you've got this flow. They feel like they just can't, they want to trust you. And at the end of the day, that's what we need. And that's what people want. They want someone to trust. They don't want all the gadgets and gizmos and pillars and all the stuff people pitch. They just want someone who can give them a result and that they can trust who's not going to run away with their money and say, well, good luck. I hope you have success. 
And ultimately, that's what we need to build. We need to build that trust and we need to, them to believe that we might be someone who can actually help them. Uh, so in other words, it sounds like your framework is like, hey, be a human being. Yeah. <laughs> be a human being. Like I had a, I had a client the other day. He was like, well, we ended our call. Were you even taking notes? It just felt like we were having a conversation. And he was like, it, I was like, oh yeah, I was taking notes the whole time. He was like, I had no idea. I didn't even think it was a sales call. And then I bought the thing. <laughs> um, okay. So, so I'm curious, like just for myself, do you position your, your, I mean, your phone calls as sales calls or it's just like, Hey, we're going to hop on a conversation and just see if I can help. That's basically it. We call it a, we're going to just have going to have a compassion conversation. We're going to come to an understanding of where you're at. You're going to understand where I'm at and then it'll either work or it won't either way is fine with us. What are the most valuable things you've learned about life or just the way people just grow period and your experience with setting the way you do and your experience with just helping people change their behaviors the way you do. At the end of the day, people are changing their behaviors, the way they talk to themselves, the way they act. And, you know, I've come to a lot of, crazy insights by the work that I do just watching people. So I'm always interested in hearing what kind of personal insights you gain just by doing the work you do. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, what people really want is to be listened to. And at the end of the day, I think what every one of us want is to be listened to. But I think we live in a world that's rather noisy. And I think we grow up in a world to where nobody really wants to listen. And we're moving further and further away of the ability to listen to ourselves and others. And I think the most powerful thing you can do for yourself and for your clients is learn to listen and step into their own mind and ask questions and essentially hold their hand and, and walk with them shoulder to shoulder. And our support philosophy is called shoulder to shoulder support. We're going to be here. We're not above you. I'm not below you. I'm right here next to you. I'm going to hold your hand. We're going to walk shoulder to shoulder and make sure that you get to where you need to be and ultimately make sure that you get to live this healthy, happy life that every one of us deserves to live. And I think if you, if you learn how to portray yourself that way, like I'm not below, I'm not above anything. I'm just here. I'm here to be. And and that's all I need to be. Hmm. It's very interesting when you said, I think people just want to be listened to. And the reason why I say that, because through the work I do, like it's basically healing the inner child because all of us are, we're like little kids in this meat bag of an adult. <laughs> and um, <laughs> a lot of the times, um, one of the most important things for children um, is connection. Um, because back then when you weren't connected with your tribe, what did that mean? Right? That's it. Like, you know, you're going to die. So it's just like hardwired into our needs. It's a feeling of connection and it's very difficult Especially, so I can see how being a salesperson who actually listens to somebody, I can see what that does for somebody subconsciously, like a client, like a prospect. I can see what that does for them subconsciously because a lot of people and a lot of entrepreneurs, man, do not feel like they, their voice matters. They do not feel like people understand them. And so I can just see the power of bringing that onto a sales call, um, understanding, because that fulfills a real human need which is kind of like the need to be connected with somebody else. And you can't be connected when you don't listen. Cause I was on a sales call about three months ago. I told the guy, my challenges, he goes, okay. So what I'm hearing is this, 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 what's going on. Is that right? <laughs> I had nothing right. I was like, you use like three words. I didn't even use, I was like, I don't even know. So I instantly was like, this guy's not listening to me. Yeah. He so, doesn't care. 
Yeah, and, I was just like, and you can smell the commission breath on them. I was just like, okay, no, I'm yeah. not. But I'm like, I, I needed the product, but like, I think I'm just not going to get it from you. <laughs> like maybe yeah. another sales guy. Not from this guy. And I think that's the, like, when you think about sales and, and when I think about our philosophy, we take the idea of cognitive behavior therapy and we move it into sales and the idea of motivational interviewing and we move it into sales. So it becomes, it becomes a, pro, a therapeutic process to recognize what's going on in your life and why and where it stems from. It's the idea of defining and, and figuring out core beliefs. Like what is your core belief? Your, your yeah. core belief, for example, a good one in health is like, you, ha- you have a problem overeating. Well, okay. Well, that's the current problem. But wh- where did that problem begin? Well, that when they were a kid, their parents made them eat their plate full every night. So they developed that habit. And now that habit became a trigger. Now that triggers a belief. Now that belief forces them to overeat every day. And so once we can recognize that, connect the dots to the past, we can help them understand the future that they didn't even know existed and that they were living in. You do this on the sales call. On the sales call. Holy shit, dude. That is so good. That is so good because that is a true, like, they probably, people don't, I realize a lot of people don't take time to reflect like that. They have no idea. And no. so when you say it, it's a, they're just like, they pause for a moment. You allow them to be there in their silence. And then they say, I had no idea that that was connected and I've been doing it my whole life. Then they're helpless. Like, what do I do now? I don't know yet. Let's figure it out. Wow. Chandler, dude, I knew there was a reason I wanted to talk to you. Like, I, just, I knew like, okay, that, that was a very, um, I don't, I don't really don't see people doing sales like that. So put it this way. Somebody right now, they have an off idea about sales, right? And this is interesting because I was even talking to a entrepreneur who does about 670K a year. And he, from the jump, had a salesperson because he's so turned off at the idea of sales. So let's say he, he, he's like uh, what Tony Robbins calls um, art, uh, artist. You know how he has like sex? Yeah, so he's like an artist um, entrepreneur, like somebody who just, just wants to do his thing, nothing else. So what would you say to somebody? How would, what would you say to change somebody's perspective on sales? Yeah, I'd probably, my conversation would be, yeah, I get it. Sales is, is typically slimy. It's, it's greasy. It sucks. It's, it's like this thing where you're fighting with someone. And, and that's how it's often portrayed. But in reality, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. We can take a therapeutic idea and we can move that into sales. So it becomes a simple conversation of, of want, of need, of the past, of the future. And then we can let them come to their own decision. And so your sales process, it doesn't need to be sales. As it said, your sales process is really it's just a therapy session. <laughs> and yeah, they, they like to help people. So, okay, that's beautiful. I love that, man. Now, aside from that, a question I always like to ask everybody is what questions have I not asked you that you think I should be asking, or at least one I probably should have asked you at this point? Yeah. It's always, think, a, it's always funny when I ask that question because people's responses are like, oh, let's see. So yeah, yeah, anything I, coming up for you? Yeah, I guess the biggest question that I guess you, you didn't ask, and you may have asked it in an in indirect way, is like, how do we change the landscape of sales? Like, how do, you, how do we remove this and how do we move into a, a better future and did you ask that no how do we do that yeah and, and so i think it starts with one it starts with each individual person refusing to adopt the current modality of sales and the people who say that they have a different process but really don't they do the same thing no, yeah. spotting it calling it out 
and moving on until you find something that is different, that is better, and that does align with you. And I think what we have to do is recognize that we can put our foot down, be true to ourselves, and not say, you know what? I just have to be aggressive. I just have to handle, handle objectives to make money and say, you know what? Our objections, you know, I don't have to do that. I can make it work. I can figure out a way to make this process aligned with who I am and aligned with my values because that's what I did. I said, you know what? I'm not, this coach is telling me to be aggressive. I'm not going to be aggressive. I'm not going to sit here and handle objections. I feel terrible about it. So in my own madness, I created my own thing. And I think every one of us has the capabilities to do that because we have conversations with our clients. We know what they're struggling with. We know how we want to speak and we know what's true to our values. And if we come off that way, well, you're a human and that's all you need to be. I love that you're saying this because I think so many people, especially when they get into this business and they get into this whole world, they feel like they have to follow rules, like rules rules you got to follow rules and i think for the longest time for me personally man i always climbed a mountain that was not mine i sold in ways that did not feel right i ran my i mean i sold i mean i built programs that did not feel right but it was what everybody else was teaching me and so i think a lot of people just don't understand that there is more there's not one way to do business and the rules that were created by them were completely made up at a point in time so they're not actually like ultimate or absolute. They're all, and I think it's just a good reminder for everybody, like just knowing like, hey, you can do things your way. Um, and I do believe that you typically grow a lot faster or a lot smoother, put it that way. Cause I grew really fast when I started. It was ugly. It was very rocky, very unhappy. And I gained a lot, I was getting fat as a fitness coach. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like this is like not the way to, like it's not the way to do this. Um, so I think, I mean, like, yeah, just the growth, is like, you know, more smooth and smooth. So I like that, man. And I really do appreciate you saying that because we are individual beings. And like you said, it starts with one, just focusing on how you want to do it and, um, a way that feels right for you. So I appreciate you validating that because I do like, you know, I do look up to you in a way I, I watch you. And by the way, add this guy and look at his copywriting. When he was talking about copy earlier, and saying like it, it doesn't look like copy, it makes people read. I read nearly every fucking post you write, dude. Even when they're long as shit, I read them. Your copy is really freaking good. So I just wanted to like just throw that out there. You're really good at copy. So I appreciate um I appreciate that, man. Um now aside from all of that, brother, um the last two questions I have for you is lastly, if no, let me ask this one first. So who do you know? in this personal development world that I probably should know? Ooh, that's a tough one. <clears throat> For me, mm -hmm. I don't follow a lot of personal development people, uh, almost zero. I follow people who are really good at cognitive behavior therapy. Um, okay. David Burns wrote the Feeling Good Handbook. One of my, obviously it's the Bible of CBT. I think it's a beautiful book. Uh, there's another book called Buddha's Brain that I really like. Uh, oh, yeah. I, um, you know what? That's crazy because I actually have that audio book and I've never read it, but I bought it. It's a good one. There's um, the other one I like a lot is The Happiness Trap. It's kind of an introduction to acceptance commitment therapy. The, there's, uh, there's so many. Those are my favorites kind of right up. The, there's another good one, Trauma and Recovery. It's dense and it's thick, but it's all about trauma. It's all about how to recover from trauma. It's all about how to spot triggers. And all of these things sound like I'm trying to be like a therapist, but just trying to 
be the best I can be to the people that I want to serve. And I want to have my own process that aligns with that. And that's where all this comes from. It comes from science and my own madness and wanting to be compassionate towards people. Yeah. And at the end of the day, man, no matter what you're in, like, have you read that book by, um, I think his name was James Collins, uh, Never Lose a Customer, Another Customer Again? Oh, yeah, I've read that one. Yeah. And then he talks about, you know, it's not B2B or B2C. Like, it's H to H, you are selling to human beings. And so, I mean, like how you said, like, you know, you're talking about therapy and all that, but in the reality of this is just understanding human behavior. That's it. It's human human behavior and how do you communicate with people and essentially how to remove your ego from the equation. Yes. I love this, man. All right. So now last 60 seconds in the, just imagine this was your last 60 seconds in the entire world. And you had just 60 seconds left to deliver a last message. It can be anything on this. It can just be anything that you feel like you would like to deliver in that last 60 seconds. What would, what would that be? Yeah, I'd tell people, you don't need permission from anybody to, to be who you are. We often live life in a way to where we need permission and validation to move forward. But it's a way to live life as a sort of slave. And so I think at the end of the day, what you have to do is give your permission, yourself permission to be who you want to be. And to move forward, even if it feels scary to face that fear and to be a product of who you are deep within your heart and soul. And if you can learn to live your life in a way to where you don't need permission, to where you don't need people, to where you don't need anything, you open up the entire world to the possibilities that are available to every one of us. But at the same time, every one of us closes the door because we're afraid of those possibilities. And that fear chains us to the ground. And that fear forces us to live in a box we don't want to live in. So I think it's time for everybody to stop faking the funk, make decisions that are going to be the best for you, be happy with those decisions, and move forward, even if it doesn't make sense for other people. Hmm. There you have it. And that came from a, somebody who came to t- talk to us about sales today. And I just love the way you ended that. It was... <laughs> It was so human. So I love that, man. Well, Chandler, I just want to say again, man, thanks a lot for, you know, coming by and, you know, hopping on this interview with me. It's been like awesome watching your content and like the fact that, you know, I got the opportunity to be on here with you, man. I really do appreciate that. Um, Now, aside from that, if people want to connect with you, they want to like just see your content, let alone work with you, what would be the best way for them to get that? And I'll drop all that in the show notes below. Yeah. So if you want to connect with me and ask questions and talk, just follow me on Instagram. So instagram.com forward slash Chandler underscore SAF or my, my Facebook profile. You can go to Chandler SAF, which is Facebook. You can join my Facebook group. It's just called marketing high ticket sales and mindset for entrepreneurs. And if you want a framework for the process that I follow for sales, if you're watching this video live, you can just comment me down below and I'll give everybody my nine-step framework to compassion conversations. It's basically our nice. process mapped out in nine steps. All right. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, if, if you're not watching the video, just reach out to him, ask him for that, and he'll get that to you, I'm sure, right? Yeah, just DM me nine step and I'll All get right. it right over to you. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, man. Well, I'll go ahead and I'll grab some of those links from you, like your Facebook group link, all of that. And I'll put that below in the show notes. Um, Other than that, man, we are all set again. Appreciate you so much, brother.